Welcome to The People's Lawyer, a podcast from the National Association of Attorneys General, the nonpartisan organization representing America's attorneys general. Attorneys general have a unique role as defenders of the public interest and often work collectively on nonpartisan issues that have a wide impact on people's daily lives. In our second season, we've invited attorneys general from different political parties to discuss how they work together in a bipartisan way to serve their constituents and protect the rule of law. In this episode, Hawaii Attorney General Claire Connors and Mississippi Attorney General Lynn Fitch discuss how attorneys general work together to combat human trafficking and protect victims. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're delighted to have you both on the podcast. Um, I wanted to start out by talking about the role of attorneys general in combating human trafficking and protecting victims. You both serve as co-chairs of NAG's Human Trafficking Committee, so I know it's something that you care very deeply about. General Fitch, maybe, um, can you tell us a little bit about Mississippi's new statewide campaign um, in combating human trafficking and your work to protect victims? Absolutely. This is very key for both of us. It's important that we have the conversation and really discuss about how you be the solution. That has been our statewide initiative that we just kicked off. And it's the first of a kind here in Mississippi, and it's very informative. And as we all know, it takes partners on every level to be engaged to help us talk about human trafficking, to talk about education, what to look for, how to be involved, and how to make it a very complete awareness campaign. So we've been equipping Mississippians with the tools that they need to be a part of the solution for this campaign in their communities. Uh, We've been working to stand as a united front across our state. Um, We want to send a very strong and clear message to all the traffickers. You are not welcome in Mississippi. So look out because we're looking for you and we plan to make sure you don't come into the state of Mississippi. So the way we've been able to do it with a number of partners are we're training and working with our truck drivers and our school bus drivers. Um, You think about these are extraordinary Mississippians and they are heroes. They're heroes for someone out there because they're the eyes and the ears and they will see things that affect these victims and they can help us by turning them in. Um, helping all Mississippians spot the signs of human trafficking is important because inevitably you will have people that say human trafficking, it doesn't exist in our state, in our country. Well, absolutely it does. So we have to have a full-fledged awareness outreach campaign for all Mississippians to understand and to know what tools are there and what to look for. So we've done it in a number of ways. Just recently we've come out with billboards, uh, PSAs, which have been very effective. Uh, We've got new stickers out in our convenience stores, our truck stops, our welcome centers, and our other rest stops. And so what we're really pushing is the National Human Trafficking Hotline number and the text number. Because as we all know, if there's a number available, people are much more likely to call in that tip. They are much more likely to text in that information. Uh, They can stay in the anonymous world, but at the same time, they give us that tip to really go after those bad actors and to rescue these victims. Um, You know, young men, women, the children, and how we can step in. And everyone really truly wants to be a part of this. They just don't know how. So for us, this has been, this, this initiative, this campaign has been very important. So our intention is to make Mississippi a really bad place for human traffickers, um, that we intend to protect our own, that it is the business of every Mississippian to be aware, to be prepared. Even though they might not have heard about it, they now have the opportunity to step in and be a part of the team. 
So as we talk about this, the public awareness, again, is critical. It is key to our full court press against trafficking. Um, we have a team of investigators here. Uh, we, we're getting off the ground, a brand new program created by the legislature to help fund these victims. Because again, it's important when you find these victims that we can now support them. You know, how, what are the tools, the resources that we can help them be lifted back into society without any shame or blame? So that's important for us. We have shared our prosecutorial uh, jurisdiction with our district attorneys. Uh, we're building a whole team of trafficking experts to go out and prosecute these bad actors. And we're certainly training all of our partners in criminal justice because as we all know, as we're talking about it, many of the people don't know, didn't understand the, the capacity, how we should you know, go after these bad actors. So ours is always a victim first approach. Um, but we really want to put those bad guys away. And that's our intention is to say, we're not going to allow that here in the state of Mississippi. And we're going to be partners to every state in the, the country and across our waters to be sure that we do not allow human trafficking in our country. Well, you mentioned the Be the Solution campaign as well, but we may share that as part of uh, part of this episode. So thanks for bringing that up as well. General Connors, Hawaii recently passed laws that relate to human trafficking. Um, what are the new policies in the state and how will they impact your work, particularly in terms of supporting victims? Thank you, Allison. And thank you very much, first off, for this invitation to participate in today's conversation with my colleague from Mississippi, General Fitch. Uh, this topic really demands our attention and it's been an honor to work with other state attorneys general in in particular, General Fitch, because we have made progress, but we, we have a lot more to make. So as you said, Ellison, this year, we passed some really important legislation. Uh, we made substantive concrete changes that are trauma-informed, victim-centered, like General Fitch was saying, and are gonna change the way we treat victims in our criminal justice system. So the first thing we did is we changed the language. Uh, we, I believe, might be the first state to amend our misdemeanor trafficking crime to use the term commercial sexual exploitation. We believe it better reflects the nature of the crime. It focuses on sex buyers and the nature of the criminal activity, and it's more victim-centered. So we removed the noun prostitute altogether from our law. That was a conscious effort to focus on the conduct of sex buyers and sex sellers. And these changes are gonna inform how we investigate, how we prosecute, and as General Fitch was talking about, how we talk to our community about trafficking and about victims. So the second thing we did is we also eliminated the statute of limitations. Uh, previously it had been six years, but what we found is as we would engage in these investigations, victims who had been previously exploited were coming up with the same defendants. What this allows us to do now is to bring those victims into the criminal justice system. It also recognizes sometimes victims need stabilization before they're able to come into the system. We believe this is going to help us bring more victims into our criminal justice system and better prosecute those who are exploiting them. The other thing we did is we eliminated a lot of gaps. Uh, all of us are challenged by some of the legislation we inherit. The fact we were able to do some of this this year was really remarkable. We added the words anything of value. So now we can prosecute traffickers and sex buyers who use things other than direct forms of payment to uh, 
exploit our, our victims. They sometimes use drugs. They use promises of housing. They use all types of things that are of value in addition to just monetary payments. So we think this is a really great way to encompass more conduct. We also now explicitly recognize coercion as a means by which victims are groomed and exploited by traffickers. So again, we put these expressly into our laws. We also made traffickers strictly liable when they commercially exploit our minors. This is a really big deal for us because we believe minors cannot consent. And in the case of commercial exploitation, whether a trafficker knew the age of a child no longer can be used as a defense to prosecution. We really think this is an important milestone. It's actually something our federal laws haven't even accomplished with regards to strict liability in this regard. So regarding minors, our, our law is, is better protecting them. We also have been able to recognize that often sex buyers escape criminal liability because they don't actually engage directly with the child, right? They use somebody else, sometimes a parent, sometimes a family member. We see that level of tragedy all the time. But what our laws now do is recognize that often there's somebody else who's engaged in the transaction. And again, the minor can't be one to consent, but the conduct can be encompassed more broadly now in the kind of cases that we investigate and, and prosecute. General Fitch, anything you want to add there? And I know that General Connors mentioned buyers a lot, um, and I'm interested if you have anything to add about demand reduction and how that plays a, a role in your work. Absolutely. And again, with my, my friend and colleague, General Connors, we've really uh, seized the moment to have this conversation with our colleagues and across uh, the country. And one of the things that she just said that's so key um, is how many of these victims are trafficked by family members. And you have to stop and think about that for a moment because many people have a misconception that it's, you know, 18 wheelers coming across from some different, say, country. That's not the case. You know, 50% of the time, it's some family member, someone who knows this victim who has put this child now in grave endangerment. Uh, and in, as a spinoff to that, you, they pivot into the drugs because as we've seen these victims and we've tried to rescue them and help them you know, get back into society and talk to them, they now also have been sold for sex for drugs or quick cash is normally what we see. And then these individuals now have been put in a life where they've had to take drugs to get through their horrific day in and day out experiences as being trafficked as an individual. So that has been alarming. And I think that's part of our discussion as we, you know, talk about what are the issues? What do you look for? Because these are children. And uh, the, the goal is certainly to eradicate it. And the other thing I'll add, too, is what we both recognize is that sex trafficking is a financially motivated crime, right? That's There's money to be had for the exploitation of our children and, and, and vulnerable victims. And what we do by recognizing the demand aspect is we bring in supply and demand. So where there's demand, there will be a supply, and that's all money-driven. So what we've also tried to do, and our focus has largely been on how we can bring in those aspects into how we investigate and how we prosecute these types of cases. We recognize them for what they are, criminal enterprises geared towards making money at the expense and to the exploitation of, of our children and other vulnerable persons, right? And, you know, to General Connor's point, it is an extremely profitable, illegal enterprise going on across our globe. I think some of the latest numbers that we have all looked at, $150 billion a year illegally are generated across the globe with a B. That's unbelievable. And if you think about the victims across the globe, 
got roughly 40 million individuals that are being trafficked right now. Again, it just takes your breath away. It's just alarming to think that's what's going on. And at least we're all standing up and trying to make a difference to, to bring those numbers down. Oh, yeah. And that's just so important. Um, so related, I wanted to ask about a program that you helped NAG organize earlier this year for Attorney General staff to talk about the challenges related to human trafficking, particularly during the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, what impact did the pandemic have on human trafficking? And how did you and your fellow attorneys general adapt your work to, to both combat the traffickers and serve victims? Um, General Connors, do you want to start that one? Sure. The pandemic made everything harder, right? Just as decades ago, the move from the streets to the online marketplace required us as a law enforcement community to adapt, so did this pandemic, right? We saw new forms of online sexual exploitation over social media on, on sites like OnlyFans and Pornhub. They targeted persons who were confined to homes and who were otherwise less visible in our channels of commerce, right? Which are the same channels the traffickers used as, as General Fitch recognizes in her campaign to get bus drivers and, and truckers involved. These channels of commerce are where our exploited victims are trafficked. So it made everything difficult in terms of the type of crime we were looking at and in terms of how we had to then respond. So our success in this space is also really contingent on our ability to collaborate and coordinate with our law enforcement counterparts, with our various partners. And the pandemic made that harder too, right? We had to adapt to using things like Zoom. We couldn't be in person. We really had to, as our as a community, think about how we were going to use these needed alternative tools to just collaborate and to coordinate. But we have adapted, and in part by relying on our service providers and those who were providing the services to the victim, victims telling us what they were seeing, we were able to adapt how we responded. And that level of communication has been really important and something that we've we've all tried to really focus on. And as General Fitch said too, key to all of this has been education and awareness, especially now for parents and young adults, because we have seen now as this has become something more within the home, parents and other young adults in the home have had to become more aware of what it looks like in this online world. So one of the things that we've been doing too is working with the Department of Homeland Security's Blue Campaign. This is a great campaign. It targets um, certain populations with advertisements on social media in our web browsers here in Hawaii. It provides exactly the kind of information that General Fitch was talking about. When you see something, this is what you're actually seeing. You're being educated on it. And then what do you do? You can call somebody. You have resources so that something you see that doesn't look right can be communicated to the right people who hopefully will be able to do the right thing. And it's, it's just a great opportunity for us to provide information and, and to sort of get into that space where these traffickers have been operating with our own efforts at combating the issues we're seeing. General Fitch, do you want to add anything? Absolutely. So the program uh, that we did together was very important. It was very beneficial, relaying so much information. Uh, we believe it started the, um, the discussion on what we're talking about now, how we've gotten here, how we've made progress. And COVID was quite the challenge. Uh, and as we did discuss many times over Zoom, but the more times we had people on there, the more partners we had, the more listening ears, people began to understand that, that it's a terrible thing for sure. But right now it's even worse because these traffickers are grooming these individuals. They're isolated. Uh, the predators have a much better opportunity to recruit. 
uh, go after these vulnerable children. And so, and they did it. Uh, it was even an opportunity um, that the law enforcement didn't have as much, you know, hands-on with people or your first responders because they too were taken back by COVID-19. So we all had to think a little bit differently. We had to think out of the box. How could we train virtually? How could we continue to have the conversation? Certainly for us in that uh, NAG meeting was very important to start delivering the conversation, what to do, how would you do it? You know, and again, even the simple things that, how do you spot a victim? What are the signs? What do you do when you spot them? Again, people want to be extremely helpful, but where do they go with it? What's the information? How do they bring it to the next level? And for us, certainly, too, partnering with our, our federal partners, uh, like as General Connor said, with Homeland Security, the FBI, our, our state and local, just made a huge difference. So it was a pause, but it did give us the opportunity to have the, the discussion across the board with our partners, our law enforcement, to think about different initiatives that we could move forward with as we discussed human trafficking. And we really did talk about how we could all be a part of the solution. So you've both talked about minors um, in the in the realm of human trafficking. Um, just preventing and prosecuting child exploitation is another important area of your work. Um, General Connors, I believe that the Missing Child Center Hawaii was recently recognized by the U.S. Department of Justice. So I wanted to ask you, like, what is your office? How does your office focus on, um, you know, combating child exploitation? And, and can, can you tell us a little bit more about the work that you do? Sure. The Missing Child Center of Hawaii is one of the components of our department, right? We have our Internet Crimes Against Ch uh, Children's Task Force. We've got our Missing Child Center of Hawaii. We have our Crime Prevention and Justice Assistance Programs. All of these different things happen within our department. So it allows for us to really coordinate as expertly and as efficiently as we can. What was really exciting this year was that um, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland um, awarded our Missing Child Center of Hawaii, in particular our coordinators Amanda Leonard and Kalei Grant, uh, the Child Protection Award. That's a Department of Justice award that was established by President Reagan 38 years ago to recognize the work that people are doing in this space to protect our children. And the work that our Missing Child Center does in coordination with different other components of our department, but also with our counterparts on the federal and the local level, is to play that critical coordination role, right? They have information, important information about our runaway children, about our missing children that they have access to first, and then they do whatever's in their capacity to get that to the right to the right people, right? So they have information that comes to them that they get to law enforcement officers, that they get to service providers, that they get to our human services departments. And all of that information is what we use then to find and locate children who are missing and therefore are at risk of being exploited, right? That is that is a common element of, of, of this kind of exploitation is, is when we have runaways, we have at-risk youth, and therefore we have risk of exploitation. So our Missing uh, Child Center of um, our missing child center of Hawaii um, does that on a day-to-day -day basis. Last year, we did something called Operation Shine the Light, where they worked closely with our ICAC and with different counterparts, and we were able to recover five runaway children. They were children who had been identified in our human services department. Um, they were in our foster care system. 
through the efforts of our Missing Child Center, we were able to work through our law enforcement channels and, and recover these children. It was, it was a wonderful operation, uh, collaborative and joint. They also do a lot of education. Again, we keep coming back to this theme, right? They work with our National Center for Missing and Exploited Children, and they also work with the Hawaii Department of Transportation, other of our non-law enforcement counterparts who are in this space and therefore have a role to play. They help them understand their role. They help give them tools to better identify victims and to do a better job helping us respond and recover and save them. General Fitch, can you talk about your work in Mississippi? Well, um, and congratulations um, to General Connors and her team. That's a well-deserved uh, award. Uh, thank you to the dedication of your team. And again, congratulations. I mean, we too are very invested in our uh, cybercrime division. Uh, we have analysts, we have investigators, uh, forensic analysts, uh, we, are, we have prosecutors. So we're certainly looking at it from every level there as well. And in our state, we also host the Internet Crimes uh, Against Children's Task Force. And it's very important, as she said, because, again, it's a whole network. We're always communicating back and forth. Uh, it's, a, it's a national network. There are 60 regional task force. And it's very um, key to, to delivering that information with one another, the different states, the agencies, and so forth, because every tip makes a difference. We make and save that, that life when we know the information is out there. Um, and we do get many of those tips. They come as well the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children. Those are, uh, again, very valuable to us as our team members, whether they're in our office or there are other state and local or federal law enforcement um, partners, because when we receive those tips, we go in, we set up those operations, and we know there's a window of opportunity to go in and rescue these victims and save their lives. Um, we too have had a number of operations going on. Uh, seems like every few weeks we've had some. Our most recent, recent one was called Operation Blue Rain. We went in just a couple of weeks ago and we arrested six for sexual exploitation or enticement of minors. Uh, three were on narcotics charges as well. Uh, a number of search warrants. And then we were able to rescue six individuals. So every time you can go in and save a life, we've done a great job. That's wonderful. And you both talked about in your responses to the last question, how you work together with other law enforcement organizations and just other partners within you know, the specific work of human trafficking or protecting at-risk children. But overall, I'd love to hear your thoughts about uh, collaboration both at the local, state, national, even international level on these important efforts that you all um, run through your offices. So General Fitch, do you want to elaborate any more on sort of partnerships and how they help you do your, your job? Absolutely. So partnerships, as we all know it, are the key to moving forward. The solos do not work, but when we work together as a team, uh, we work across the state, local, federal. We partner together with our, our colleagues in the AG's office. Uh, we're there supporting and empowering one another is when we make real true positive differences. Uh, so that's certainly been the cornerstone for the operation here in the state of Mississippi. And so we shouldn't really try to tackle these alone. We should be working hand in hand. Uh, and that's what we've been doing. And so as we've done that, we multiply all of our successes. Uh, we achieve greater successes. And at the end of the day, we've saved more lives, which is the ultimate goal because these are victims and we need to help them. They didn't ask to be in these situations. And so it is a challenge and is our responsibility 
uh, to work with one another to change their next steps. Um, we've certainly been very engaged in training because we believe that, again, the more education, the more awareness, whether you're the prosecutors, whether you're you know, in the different uh, facets of law enforcement, that again, that gives them more tools, more resources. Our, our prosecutor and law enforcement training division has been working with all of our partners in criminal justice over the last year and a half. We now have added that to the law enforcement training curriculum. Uh, that's a multi-course uh, for these uh, law enforcement cadets. Uh, for them to understand what human trafficking is, child exploitation, what to be looking for. Um, and then we do a lot of real life scene enactments. And I think that really helps our, uh, every, all of our participants, that helps our law enforcement, our prosecutors, anyone that's involved because now they're going through it. They understand what it's like. They are seeing the, a, a rescue. They understand what it's like to write the report then the witness testimony, because as we talk about all the different things, there are all these other components that come with it. And so we have to be prepared on every step of the way. And that's what we've been trying to do with our education process through our training, um, like I said, with our law enforcement and with our um, prosecutors. So we, we really look at it as, you know, be prepared. And if you don't know, then you can't be prepared. So it's on us to give that educational piece out to everyone involved uh, to rescue these vulnerable children. General Connors, do you want to talk a little bit about partnerships? Sure. So having worked in the federal space as a criminal prosecutor, I've come to appreciate to a greater degree what general jurisdiction is. And that's what we as state attorneys general have, right? We have general jurisdiction. We don't have specific or delegated jurisdiction. We have the whole kit and caboodle here within our department. And that creates an opportunity that we need to really understand so that we can best utilize it to the fullest extent possible when we talk about these kind of coordinating efforts. We can directly liaison with our federal partners, with our county partners in ways that really help with all the collaboration because we can take cases at both a federal level and we can take cases at a local level and you know, the feds can't do that, the locals can't do that. So we play a really important role in terms of how best to pool limited resources. Coming to the table, we can say, we can do this, you can do this, but it's better if so-and-so uses the grand jury for that type of investigation and possibly a different type of solicitation crime happens at this jurisdictional level. And that kind of conversation is one that we're uniquely situated to have. And it's important that we do that. Our department um, last year decided it was important to have a statewide human trafficking coordinator to institutionally recognize and acknowledge the role that our department plays in this space. And our trafficking coordinator, I think, was largely responsible for creating this center of gravity that led to our pretty remarkable legislative changes that have led to this level of collaboration and have created this space where people are talking and consciously looking through the kind of resources that they bring to the table so that it's best utilized on behalf of all of us who are involved. We also have been able to engage in training that's directly correlative to what we're seeing, what's able to be done at the federal level, what could be better done at the state level, and how we can all train the respective actors to do a better job there too. And that NAG program that um, that we put on last year was in, in large part dedicated to figuring out how we could do a better job. And so we as, as state attorneys general can really do a lot because we can work with our state laws, we can work with our federal counterparts, and we just have a lot of latitude to really help, as I said, effectively and efficiently use limited resources to best combat these crimes. 
Thank you for that description. I think for our listeners, they may not have understood the, the difference in the jurisdiction and the important role that, that you play in convening all those different actors who wouldn't be able to work together you know, without that, that connection. Um, as we wrap up, I wanted to talk a little bit more about collaboration across the attorney general community. Um, you two are good examples in, in your roles as co-chairs of the NAG Human Trafficking Committee, but I'd love to hear a little bit more about just your relationships with other attorneys general and how they help you serve your constituents. Who would like to go first? General Connors, do you want to start? Sure. Um, this is a perfect example of what NAG in particular and other nonpartisan forum can provide for us as attorneys general, right? In the human trafficking space, this is a crime that extends beyond our jurisdiction, as General Fitch mentioned. So we need to be talking with our counterparts. We need to have a relationship with each other that's not political, that is really focused on trying to get to the core issues. And this space is a perfect example of how we can coordinate when we're doing so in this nonpartisan way. So very much want to say thank you to NAG for creating a forum like this, for providing us this kind of framework to work together. In, in our state, as I said, we have a robust travel industry. So we have a lot of trafficking coming in from a whole lot of areas. We are absolutely reliant on our relations with other state attorneys general, with our federal counterparts to help us do our job better within our state. So the more conversations that I can have with General Fitch and my colleagues across whatever divide, that the better off our state is because the better able we are to um, collaborate effectively and, and handle the issues that we're seeing within our state that are directly tied to what's happening in other states. So it's also great because when we collaborate like this, especially in this space, we create a common language and we create a common discourse. So a lot of the things that General Fitch is saying, a lot of the ways that she's talking about reaching out to the public are things that I want to mirror because I want there to be a common language. I want us as investigators, as prosecutors, as service providers to really hone our ability to focus on this area because we are doing that first. So we can get ourselves aligned as best as possible in these kind of spaces. And that'll help us effectively work with the public and work with all those who need to understand this particular crime better and to find out how they can help us do a better job in saving and healing lives, right? That's the component that we also want to be really focused on as well. No question. It is truly a uh, team effort. It's important that we collaborate, as General Connors mentioned. This is a nonpartisan issue. This is talking about rescuing, saving, and providing the next step support for these victims. And we all have these very similar challenges. Um, and we learn from one another. And I think that's what's so important is that we take the time, we do share best practices, we do understand the trials and the tribulations that we each have going on. But there, so many times, they're the same. And again, if one of us is going at a, attacking a problem or becoming the solution, then we can learn from the other one, as we should. Uh, that is very important as we look at how we attack the human trafficking problem that we have. Um, but we do, we learn from experience. Every time we all talk and we, we gather some new information, we learn about some new initiatives, some new laws that have been passed, things again that are certainly best practices that we could share with one another. And there's so many things uh, that we're discussing that again, as we talk about these new pathways, we become better. We shepherd those that are in need. Uh, we empower our law enforcement, our prosecutors, because everyone understands that this is a shoulder to shoulder. And I'm too so grateful that I that I'm 
get to serve with my co-chair, uh, General Connors. It's been an exciting time to really stop and pause and say, this is an issue and all of us need to drive to be the solution. And I'm very grateful for NAG uh, for allowing us to have this discussion to really give the education piece out there and how we can talk with one another, that all AG offices are sharing best practices, collaborating uh, to eradicate human trafficking. And Allison, thank you so very much. We appreciate the opportunity to be with you today. Oh, well, I very much appreciate both of you for sharing your insights, for your time, and just for the important work that you do, not only as part of, you know, NAG's structure and the NAG committee, but the work that you're doing on behalf of the constituents in your states and just victims overall. So thank you for being here today. And I think um, I've certainly learned a lot about the work that you're doing in this area. And I think our listeners will will learn a lot as well. We'll, we'll put the... Um, human trafficking hotline at the end of the episode and, and share some additional information so that we can continue to spread the word and educate as you both talked about being so important in your work. So thank you both. Thank you. Thank you. I'm Attorney General Lynn Fitch. My office is leading a statewide initiative to provide you with the tools to recognize human trafficking. If you suspect human trafficking, report it to the national hotline at one 373 7888 or text 233-733. For more information on how to spot the signs and where to report them, go to attorneygeneralinfitch.com. Be aware, be prepared, and be the solution. Thank you for joining us for this episode of The People's Lawyer. We look forward to bringing you additional insights about the nonpartisan work of America's 56 state and territory attorneys general in future episodes. In the meantime, you can learn more at naag.org or email podcast at nag.org.